Welcome to the Forest Educator Podcast. I'm Ricardo Sierra. I think it makes the most sense to start by really defining what do we mean by a forest educator? Because there are a number of different ways that we sort of traditionally see people working with other people in nature. And there's also a very thriving and growing movement called the forest school movement, which is about taking children of various ages from, you know, preschool and toddlers all the way through up into the older high school range, but primarily early education. And they are running forest kindergarten programs. And that's a really vibrant, awesome approach. And sometimes that's what people will think when they hear the word forest educator, because they're like, oh, you're probably somebody that works in a forest school. But that's not necessarily the case. So I wanted to showcase just how broad and how diverse and how how much of a vast spectrum of programs there are uh, for people who are what I would call forest educators. And many of them would not consider themselves a forest educator, even though that term would definitely apply. So let's just dive right in and uh, talk about some of these these layers to it. So the first layer of forest educators is what I call the citizen-based or the personal approach, the personal educator approach. And this would be something like a, a mom or a family who are homeschooling their children and they're using nature as a big part of that process. This would also be adding in people who are homesteaders or gardeners or uh, birders or, you know, they're, they're doing forest education for themselves and their, their circle, their community. They're not necessarily doing it as a professional level. They're not necessarily having like a huge group of people and they're not going into other programs or schools. They're not running a summer camp, but they're just keeping it on the everyday personal level in their lives. And that is a really important piece to for, as forest educators. And so one of the things I want to do in this podcast is to showcase people who are doing just that, moms, dads, people who are like backyard birding advocates. I mean, anyone that is doing that kind of work to me is a really valuable, valuable part of this movement. The next level really kind of comes into this, what I would call, I want to say professional, but it's it's not always seen as super professional in some areas and others it is. And that would be people who are actually hired by an organization or have their own company or, or business where they are working with groups of people in a setting where they are responsible for the content they're covering and you know, the safety of the individuals and everything. And that really kind of spreads out in a very big way. So that would be like a teacher in a school, like in a public school, who is taking their children outside to do earth science projects. Or it might be someone in like a 4-H club, you know, where they're part of an organization, maybe they're getting paid, maybe not, but they're, but they're part of an organization following a certain curriculum, and they are working to 
provide a skill or, or some experience that will help their students to grow. And that would cover programs like private schools, public schools, Montessori schools, Waldorf, maybe the unschooling movement, although that could kind of be more into the personal level because unschooling is kind of the opposite of organized education. So I'm not sure if that belongs in there. But things like environmental educators or something like a a summer camp program, you know, a day camp or a summer camp or a nature camp, those would fall under that. Especially when people think of like forest education or wilderness education, sometimes they think of Outward Bound or the Knowles, the, the National Outdoor Leadership School, where they take expeditions and go all over the world and go on backpacking in Nepal or they go to Alaska or they go to, you know, they go out on boats and ships. And I mean, like they do tons of different types of things, these expeditionary type programs. There's also a field called nature therapy or wilderness therapy. And those are two different things. Some people are working where they're doing therapy for individuals or groups, small groups in a natural setting that are maybe they're dealing with anxiety or depression or uh, some other thing that they're struggling with. And they're finding the therapists are finding a real value to getting their clients outside for 20 minutes before actually sitting in a group outside and sharing about how how things are going and, and working through issues. There's also what I call wilderness therapy, which oftentimes is about taking, uh, especially usually kind of in that high school range or early 20s types of ages of students who can benefit from getting completely out of their environment and going into a wilderness program where, you know, they're going to be going on a trek for three weeks, learning survival skills and backpacking and t- taking care of each other and having these adventures out there. And in those programs, they are aimed at being therapeutically um, framed. And there's oftentimes a therapist there with them who can kind of de- help them deal with those issues as they come up. Forest bathing, there's a Japanese term for and a technique for going out on a walk for 20 minutes or 40 minutes and really doing a contemplative relaxation, conscious conscious breathing and really connecting to trees or nature around you to get these incredible health benefits with just a few sessions. So that's those people are forest educators. Another one, and this is kind of one that I've kind of came into this nature education field pretty pretty heavily myself is the world of wilderness survival education or uh, bushcraft also known aka bushcrafters where you're going out into the wild going out into nature and you know learning how to build a fire get shelter make crafts or skills or tools and learning about wild foods and where to find water and that those people are are definitely forest educators i would add as well gardening education you know places where you go to like the corporate cornell cooperative extension here in new york that's what they call it i'm not sure if it is uh, everywhere else but usually it's a kind of a state run program from the state universities where they offer programs like a master gardener program or small animal management farming and things like that, where they're aiming to really support people to get out in nature and, you know, learn the craft of these various ways, outdoor activities. So also 
Future Farmers of America, FFA, those, you know, where they're helping young people raise cows or small animals and, you know, everything from a business point of view plus animal care. Those people are excellent forest educators because you're really, you know, out there feeding animals and being out there all times of the day and night. There's another layer of these, what I call the organizational advocates of forest educators. And those are, you know, organizations that really champion the cause of nature, nature awareness. You know, they're, they're organizations that promote, you know, the learning about nature. So it could be an organization like Audubon, where Audubon has educators that they create small camps. So they do actual in-person programs but they also are big advocates for the fields of birding and other, you know, preserving natural resources. So that would fall under things like the Sierra Club or the, the Nature Conservancy. That's a, a great organization that really aims to preserve habitat and purchase land and try to protect species and, and or, uh, ecosystems at risk. The World Wildlife Federation, which is all about protecting wildlife, you have National Geographic. You know, you have the Discovery Channel. Uh, I guess that's probably different now because of these like multimedia conglomerates change a lot. But the idea is that there are, you know, whole cable networks that talk about working to preserve, you know, Animal Planet and where they're trying to create shows to demonstrate featuring lions and elephants and polar bears and, you know, all of these different animals that are at risk due to climate change or whatever. And those would really be advocates for environmental or forest education. Also, the Children in Nature Network. That's a, an organization that Richard Louvre uh, formed with a group of other incredibly capable, wonderful people that formed as a result of his book called Last Child in the Woods. And it talks about this concept of nature deficit disorder and how we're really losing our connection to the natural world. And so they're wonderful advocates for both research, uh, you know, the scientific data and studies that are being done. And they're also looking at working closely with municipalities and organizations and, you know, state and city and uh, local political groups to, you know, enhance habitat or to create what they call green schools. So these are all people that I would say are forest educators. They might not be working on the front lines. They're not necessarily with a bunch of homeschoolers in the woods in a pouring rainstorm, but they are overall supportive of and trying to help help us have nature, you know, in the future. And they're also trying to advocate on nature's behalf and on the behalf of children. But you also have in this uh, forest education spectrum, you have a outdoor for-profit industry that would, would include everything from the people who write and publish field guides and nature essay type books and things that are supporting the work we're all doing. It also would include companies like Patagonia or REI or L.L. Bean or the, the different companies that make the different types of gear like the Osprey packs and Cabela's and Carhartt and companies that are basically trying to give people the things they need to go outside. Everything from kayaks and canoes and mountain bikes and tenting and backpacks and designing really efficient flashlights and this whole range of, of gear to be able to support people to go out and have a less impact and to be able to connect to nature in a way that's 
really responsible and sustainable. And they're all, you know, doing it in various, you know, to varying degrees. So I'm not necessarily advocating for any one of them specifically, but just saying that that industry, if you're working in that industry, you are really tangentially working as a forest educator in the sense that you're trying to support that. So to me, when you are a for-profit company that is serving, you know, the millions of people that go backpacking and, and mountain biking and cross-country skiing and snowshoeing and all of those things, you're, you're really engaged in wondering, you know, and figuring out like, well, what is it that people need to feel comfortable and how do we help support that and how do we make it so it's safe for them, you know, whether it's protecting them against Lyme disease or hypothermia or, you know, any number of things. Everyone that's working on making a better sunblock or, you know, the, the type of clothing that will repel ticks or whatever it is. So all of that really is a, an important part of our industry or our, our, our community. And there is another group, I guess I also mentioned it earlier, but there's a group of people that like to do what I call homesteading, where they develop a, a lifestyle where they're having backyard chickens and they grow some food and they are living in a place that's fairly rural so they can really just be immersed in nature all the time and doing that for their kids and for their own health and well-being. So those are important folks. The traditional outdoor types of activities like hunting or fishing or uh, people that are out restoring habitat, people like the California Conservation Corps, Trout Unlimited, Ducks Unlimited, the AmeriCorps groups that do trail work and programs like that where they're out helping to improve the environment for wildlife and for people. And all of these companies, whether it's like Outside Magazine or Field and Stream, like they all tangentially support each other in various ways. And in some cases, they may be even be at odds with other program, you know, depending on their philosophy and their approach. So, so this forest education field, a forest educator could really have very different philosophical backgrounds that are, they're coming to this field with based on the angle of their approach. And that's part of why I wanted to kind of share what I see as forest education, because I want to be able to serve and interview people in all of these different areas and help us all to benefit from their perspective and their angle, what they're working on. You know, even if we don't necessarily agree with it 100%, like, for example, a lot of times you have outdoor gear places and Things are made in China or they're made really far away and they're made really cheaply and sometimes designed to last for a season and then break. I'm not really a fan of that philosophy. However, I also understand that not everybody can afford like a, you know, $900 tent that won't break after two years. So therefore, we have to balance that. And so I, I totally understand that there are compromises, but I also know that you know, hopefully we can all help each other to do better in our, in our own way as we go moving forward. And that I would be really remiss if I did not mention this category here. I probably should have led with it because it's really important and it's super important to me. And that is the, uh, the native communities, the tribal uh, groups and native peoples, the first peoples, if you're in Canada, First Nations, the uh, American Indian movement collection of tribal communities and their advocates there. They have leaders who are teaching the old ways. 
and they are learning about their traditional foods and basket making and tanning hides and building wigwams and shelters and teepees and, you know, really trying to preserve their life ways that they've maintained for really for centuries and and in many cases really struggling to, you know, both preserve those ways with you know, incredible loss of habitat over these uh, last 300 years with, you know, the loss of the buffalo and the passenger pigeon and struggles for salmon and for all these different things that have are lost. And they they are working very hard and they, they have a huge a wealth of knowledge. The old philosophies that really were all about how do you restore these ecosystems and they, they have a tremendous uh, part to play. And so I'm hoping to be able to speak to some of them and share and bring conversations like all of these uh, different groups to help us see what is going on, what they're working on, what they're trying to do, and, you know, at least be informed on that and to see where they're making breakthroughs. Because, you know, honestly, if you're a forest school educator and you're running groups of children every single day and day in and day out and you're living on Long Island and there are a lot of like really, really tiny ticks, you know, deer ticks uh, on Long Island. If you're out there, you know, Lyme disease and other tick-borne illnesses, that's a big factor. So I would say that, you know, being informed by groups of people that are working on a Lyme disease vaccine and or, you know, clothing that will help your students and yourself to be protected from ticks so you, you can stay safe. That's pretty important. So that's part of what I really wanted to, you know, why I want to kind of find out things that would be interesting to all of you and including in that. And I, there's a lot of people out there <laughs> who are what I call wild food gatherers or they're, you know, what do they call them? Like foodies, people that love mushrooms, people that go uh, and gather their wild crafters, you could say. Uh, people who are maybe gathering choke cherries and then making special cordials and syrups and adding different herbs. And there's herbalists that are out teaching about plants and how they can help heal us. You know, there's also the crafters, people that are basket makers or they're carvers or they are making art out of natural materials and helping to bring that into our awareness. You know, whether they're making art, they could be being a photographer, uh, you could be a videographer making videos and content that inspires people to get outside. All of these folks are what I call forest educators in their own way. You know what I forgot? I forgot to mention the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, Campfire Girls. You know, those people, they're awesome. They, every group here has struggles to, you know, get enough students or have too many students or try to train their staff. I know we just had a, uh, a forest education program that I was running and, and there was a woman that was running a Girl Scout troop and she was just talking about how it, how hard it is to know what I should, she should do with those girls and what, what are some options she could do when she takes them camping and what are things she could prepare that would help them have a really positive experience out in nature because she loved nature as a kid and wanted to bring that but she was unsure how to do it. And so we we kind of like, I kind of coached her through that process. And we talked a lot about what her girls liked and everything. So all of these different agencies and groups really could benefit from just supporting each other and connecting and being able to really thrive. And so that's the goal of my podcast is to provide a, a, a platform for forest educators 
by forest educators, by people who are either on the front lines or who are deeply embedded in this movement. Because I think that if we can learn about what we are all doing, it number one is very inspiring. I feel I come away with every interview I, I do, conversation I have, or email exchange from people who, from all over the world, and, and it's, it's really exciting, some of the things that people are doing. But I, unfortunately, many of them don't have a huge platform from which to get that information out to other forest educators so that we could all benefit. And so I'm hoping to provide that for all of you. And in saying that, I also will add that I really love suggestions and I love feedback. I really want to know is if something that I'm sharing is valuable to you, please let me know. Because when I do a podcast episode and I post it, I really don't know. Like I have, I, I don't, I'm not sitting there in the room with you after you've listened to it, you know, whether you're enthusiastically excited. And so if you let me know, that will be a big help for me, especially moving forward into this first, you know, year or two of this project. And, and that being said, I also want to know where I might, I might miss a really good point or a really important point that some of you will really carry you know, that you carry a flame for. So for example, like I've run a summer camp for many, many years. And sometimes there are parents that would just be like, oh yeah, we really care about this. You know, like they, sometimes you'll have a mom and she'll just be like, I want everything to be organic all the time. Every, I only have my kids organic. So she has this really strong torch that she's carrying for organic food. And then other times there are parents or staff who are just really concerned about making sure that everyone feels really included, which is, which is important. You know, we, we want to take all of your concerns and thoughts really seriously. And if you, if you can, please help us learn, help me learn to be better if I'm, if I'm in that position. But for the most part, I, my, my goal is, I mean, I wouldn't do this if I didn't actually really believe that, that this can have value for you. I'm 100%. I'm in. I'm here to support all of you. And I want to say, I'll just end with saying this. I really appreciate you and the work you're doing in whatever capacity you're able to do it. I especially appreciate people who are on the front lines, who are working with children every day. What tools can we bring to bear to make your work better? Thanks for listening to today's episode and for all the things that you do to help build a world that is connected to nature. You can get access to the bonus episodes, my forest educator nature journals and curriculum, as well as other useful content by subscribing to my Patreon page where you can support us at any level. You can find the link in the show notes for that and my website and social media as well. And I will see you outside. 